section from Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. And our text this morning is from verse 22 to verse 25. Lamentations chapter 3 from verses 22 to 25. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. To the soul that seeketh him. The title for this message this morning is God's mercy never destroyed. God's mercy is never destroyed. We seem to live in a time where many would like to forget the past. We seem to live in a time when many of the monuments and the reminders in great cities seem to be under threat. Things that would remind us of our history, of our background, and of our heritage. I remember watching recently in the news, there was a protest in a, in a large city, and they were pulling down a statue. There was graffiti being put on these statues. And why would such people do such a thing? Well, they want to bring in something new, don't they? They want to bring in something different. And in order to do that, they must pull down and destroy the past to bring in what they see as something better. Now, when you go to certain cities and you're traveling around, what do you expect to see? You're going to see certain famous buildings. You're going to see certain statues, certain things that tell of the history of that part of the world. And they tell a story. And they tell you, they inform you about that place. It's why people go sightseeing. Reminders of the past, reminders of the values of that place. But what happens when a city is destroyed? What happens when a city is brought to ruin? And that is what has happened in the midst of these verses that Jeremiah has written. Jerusalem, after... The Babylonians have come in after many years of warning. Jerusalem has been destroyed. Many of the reminders of the beauty of our past have been removed. She has been known by many, as it tells us in Lamentations 2.15, the perfection of beauty, the joy of the whole earth. And that has become even a mocking to this once Proud city, a city that has stood for many years, protected by God, the city of God, full of reminders of the grace, of the love, of the protection of Almighty God, of the kindness and blessings, and then they're all gone. All that is around Jeremiah is devastation, heartbreaking. Weeping, you see, that's why he's known as the weeping prophet. There's just heartbreak all throughout this book of Lamentations. 
And in the midst of this book, there is this wonderful hope that is never extinguished, no matter what is taking place around us. Even if all around us may seem to change, God's mercy never does. We may be tempted to think because circumstances in our lives go wrong. Is God angry with me? Or maybe I'm being disciplined? Now, sometimes we don't know in the midst of trials and difficulties why these things are happening. We can imagine that God may be even changing. We shouldn't, but we sometimes do. Our God never changes, and that is a wonderful reality. And though all things around us will one day be returned to dust, and the world around us is in a constant state of change, our God never does. God is not like the cities of this world. God is not like the monuments of this world. He does not change. He cannot be pulled down. He cannot be defaced. He cannot be attacked. He cannot suffer the way we suffer. So, as we look at this text this morning, as we think about the state of our nation, as we think about the state of families, as we think about the state of schools, as we think about the state of the government or, or the church in our land, and we may mourn and lament of the condition of these things they're in, let us be reminded that God's mercies never ever end and they never change no matter what low point we may be at jeremiah is at a very low point here and yet he can say what we just read that was jerusalem the great and wonderful city that it was and he was reminded of the fact that it is of the lord's mercies that he was not consumed no matter how we feel this morning let us come and consider why we continue to hope, why we continue to expect, and why we continue to long for our heavenly Jerusalem to come. So we're going to look at this text under four headings. The first heading is deserved. Number one, deserved, and Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22, verse 22 of our text. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because... His compassions fail not. Isn't that wonderful? In order to realize how blessed we are as believers in Jesus Christ, we have to also realize what we deserve, what we truly, truly deserve. What did Jeremiah and others in that day deserve? The, the thing was, as bad as things were, they deserved worse. Flowers. There is a horror of what Jerusalem has endured. And it is, you read through the book of Lamentations, and you see the references to weeping and references like this. Lamentations 2.1. How hath the Lord covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud in his anger? And the book is full of heaviness and misery and lamenting and woe. And yet, there is still hope. There is still hope. We sinners, lawbreakers before God, we do deserve to be consumed. Our God is a consuming fire toward those 
who have not repented, toward those who have not trusted in Jesus Christ. And we, we wish, don't we, for all those people, those dear people we meet on the streets and don't know the Lord, we want them to know the Lord. We don't want them to go to hell. We, do, we, we don't want them to continue in that wide road that leadeth unto destruction, and many there be that go thereat. We all deserve to be consumed, no matter who we're witnessing to. No matter who we're witnessing to. No matter how strange their sin may be, we all are in the same boat. None of us deserve the least of God's mercies. Jeremiah, throughout this book, sees this. He sees that it is, he includes himself in this sin as well, which is very interesting. Lamentations chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Lamentations chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. She weepeth sore in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she hath none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They are become her enemies. Judah has gone into captivity because of affliction. And because of great servitude, she dwelleth among the heathen. She findeth no rest. All her persecutors overtook her between the straits. And there's many other examples of this. Verse 12 of the same chapter. Verse 12 it is nothing to you, all ye that pass by. Behold, see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. And we may think, and Jeremiah was a faithful prophet, wasn't he? He was a faithful, godly man who shared a very difficult message to a very difficult generation. A very stiff-necked generation. And yet, he can write this. The Lord has afflicted me. But he does not forget what our text says this morning. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. In the midst of all this, Jeremiah is also not saying, it's, not, it's unfair, it shouldn't happen to me. Look at all the things I've done. No, he's saying I deserve far, far worse we may be in the midst of difficulty and trial, and we may be tempted to think, it's unfair. Why is this happening to me? Why not, why not him down the road? I've worked hard. I, I've put so much work into this. And maybe your plans are all, one day, they're all taken away from you unexpectedly. You may be tempted to think, oh, God, why are you bringing me through this difficulty? But we, we always have to be reminded of not only do we deserve far worse, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, endured far worse than we ever will on this earth. The mercy of God, the kindness of the Lord, is not deserved. We don't deserve it. So someone may wonder, if God can ruin Jerusalem when the mercy of God cannot be destroyed. Why are these things happening? You may struggle in your walk. When we see a fallen world, around this fallen world, we're going to see lots of tastes of the judgment of God. It's why they're suffering in misery. If we want to know the source of misery, 
and tears and disappointments and hardships. It comes from Adam's sin. It comes from the fall of men. What comes from God is joy and peace and happiness. That's what comes from God. What comes from our sin and our idols is death and destruction. We may be tempted to think God's mercy has a limit. Or maybe God no longer is going to be in this place. It's all done. We need to give up. And we can be tempted to think that, can't we? In, in a land such as this, where the Lord has poured out so many blessings and raised up so many godly men to proclaim the unsearchable riches of his grace. And then we see where we are today. We're like, oh, why do we even keep continuing? But there's many reasons to hope, dear friends, still in our land. In both of these islands, in fact. They may be a day of small things. But at the same time, the Lord's mercy will never change. It is never limited. No matter what is going on in our lives, God has not changed. Our circumstances may have changed. They will continue to change. The world will continue to change. And we may not understand the specific reasons for those changes. But know this. It's all for the glory of God. God knows. God knows why these things are happening. He has revealed them to Jerusalem. They've been warned over and over again. If you read through the book of Jeremiah... How many times have they been warned by not just Jeremiah, but other prophets as well? And we think, well, how, how did they not listen? Well, our own generation has also been warned time and time again. But his mercy is not extinguished. We must never forget it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. And we deserve far, far worse that can be a hard thing to think about, isn't it? When we're going through difficulty. When we're going through affliction. And Jeremiah, a godly man, he went through affliction. He went through difficulty. He went through trial. Along with a stiff-necked generation. God remains ever merciful. And one of the reasons why Jeremiah still has hope there's some verses before this. Why? Because he's humble. In verse 19 of Lamentations 3, it says this, Remember mine afflictions and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. My soul, verse 20, hath them in remembrance and is humbled in me. Verse 32, a little bit after our text. But though he cause grief, yet he will have compassion according to the multitudes of his mercies. And then verse 21, it says, He putteth my, his mouth in the dust. If so be, there may be hope. In the midst of all this, in the midst of all these difficulties, there's humility. We see what we are. We see what we deserve. And we see that we have been blessed far, far more, even in this world, than what we deserve. Now, what awaits us in the world to come is going to be far Think about it. A place of no tears, no suffering, no death, no pain, no change. Wonderful bliss for all eternity. 
Consider, dear Christian, what we deserve. When you're going through affliction, it can be hard to do this. I'm not saying any of this is easy. Of course it's not easy. It doesn't come naturally to us. But what we need to be reminded is of the Lord's mercies. Our sin is treason against God. Ever thought of that word, treason? What would happen if you fought against kings hundreds of years ago and you said, I defy your rule and reign. Or you said in front of the king, we will, ha- we will not have this man to rule over us. The death penalty would come, wouldn't it? It would be seen as treason against the king. Our sin is so horrible, not just because it's against the king, but how wonderful this king is. How special he is. How high and how absolute his authority is. And dear friends, it's also a reason why we should hate sin. We shouldn't be angry with God when things go wrong. If we're going to hate anything, we ought to hate our sin. God is love. God is truth. God is pure light. And in him is no darkness at all. It is sin that brings division in our families. It is sin that brings division in our nations, in our homes, in our churches. It is sin that makes us backslide. It is sin that we ought to flee from and put to death. It is God we need to embrace and to love and appreciate and cling to. He, our God, is the reason for hope. If we look inside ourselves, and this is what Jeremiah is bringing out, There's nothing but reasons for misery. If we look inside ourselves, we see nothing but the sin that made the death of Jesus Christ necessary. But if we look outside of ourselves and look to Christ, we have every reason to hope. Number two now, delivered. Delivered. So we've considered what we deserved. Now we're going to look at how we have been delivered. Number two, delivered. Verse 22, the second half of verse 22, because his compassions fail not. Verse 23, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. They are new every morning. Now, it's not, we might think of the word new as like brand new, but it's not that sense. It's more like fresh. Fresh, it's... It's new every morning. It's unlike anything in this world. It's unlike your favorite thing in this world. If you consider, imagine, pick your favorite food. And imagine if you said, you're going to have that favorite food of yours, morning, noon, and night. Three meals a day, every day. It probably will not be your favorite food for long. Probably, I need a break from chicken. Or I need a break from something else. After a while, if you leave that food out, what happens to it? It changes. It becomes subject to decay. And what was once wonderful is no longer the case. That's not like with God. God is new. His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Basically saying in a language that we can understand... He does not change. His wonderful blessings do not change. Now, why does the Bible keep reminding us of this? Because we forget it. 
we start thinking that God is just like us, that he will change. He doesn't. He doesn't. And we need constant reminders that our God does not change. Creatures change in their love. We love things. We're, we're attracted to things. We're, we, we love our husbands or our wives. We love our children. But that love will go up and down, doesn't it? Not like our God. The mercy, the love that we have for our children will go up and down. But not God's love for his children. It's unchanging because it's in and through Jesus Christ. So often, we can imagine a God who is just like us, subject to change. That is not the true God. That's an idol. That's not the true God. Our, the true God is wonderful. His light never diminishes. It is new. It is fresh. It is radiant every morning. God's stability, God's unchangeableness is what we hope in. His love and his goodness, which is unchanging and unchangeable, delivers his people. It's not like anything in this world. See, when we go out and we use our eyes, we see things in the world. And what do we have to compare God to? It's one of the things that Isaiah constantly, over and over again, is saying to him, to whom will you compare me to? Because we're so, we see things in the world and we want to compare God to something in the world. We want to imagine, we want to wrap our minds around the greatness of God, but we can't comprehend God. His greatness cannot be measured. It is boundless. He is infinite. Can you think of anything in the world that is infinite? without beginning, without end, that does not change. There's nothing in the world like our God. So his mercy is unlike any mercy in terms of greatness that you will see in this world. Cities will fall as Jeremiah faced, but our God will not fall. His mercy will not fail us ever if we trust in his Son. He will deliver his people. There's still deliverance going on. In the midst of the book of Lamentations, many of them are brought into captivity. Many of them have been made slaves, brought into this almost embarrassment. We've been saying for years how we're free. We've been set free from the land of Egypt. And now we've been brought back to another captivity. This is a very low moment. For Jerusalem, for Judah. However, there is still hope of deliverance. His mercy, his mercy never ends. Now, I need to consider this word mercy a little bit because this word in the original language has the idea of loyal, unchanging, covenant love or kindnesses even. Sometimes in, in the Bible it's translated kindnesses. He's loving kindnesses. This word is such a wide word which talks about his love toward his special people. And in all this, it doesn't depend on our performance. Yes, we are to trust in Jesus Christ as his people will, but it is not dependent on your performance. It is not dependent on your best day. It's not to say that we're to get casual in our sin or anything like that but it's God's mercy that keeps us it's God's mercy that delivers us 
It is God's mercy that will bring us to our heavenly home one day. Verse 22, once more, it says, Because his compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And this is only expressed, this deliverance is only expressed to one people. The people of God. Those whom he set his love upon. We'll turn briefly to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 to 9. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 to 9. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people. For ye were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you. And because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord, thy God, the faithful God which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And you see what he's saying here, and this says in, in Deuteronomy, the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number. It's not because you are more impressive than anyone else. It's not because we're smarter or greater or somehow better in ourselves. It's because the Lord loved you. He set his love freely upon you. That is what made the difference. It is not us. It is not of our own wills. It is of God's mercy that we have been delivered from the wrath. It is because of God's mercy, Jeremiah is delivered. He's surrounded by the reminders of God's wrath. What he needs to be remind, delivered from. And yes, just as it was in Jeremiah's time, it's difficult times today we face. But his love, never forget this, friends, his love is never ending. His covenant love, his, his mercy is ever enduring toward his church. He doesn't switch it off. His well-pleasing, delivering love is still for his church in this land. It says in Malachi 3, 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Why are they not consumed? Because he doesn't change. He doesn't change. And what he promises cannot fail or ever fail to come to pass. They change not. He cannot become anything other than what he is. A God who will deliver us if we trust him. In and through his son, the Lord Jesus, who is the Christ. Number three now, our third point is devoted devoted now who are those who will be delivered and it's those who are devoted to the lord in verse 24 of our text it says this and jeremiah says he's writing here under the inspiration of the spirit of almighty god the lord is my portion saith my soul therefore will i hope in him this is why he can hope because he says in his soul, in his inner being, not just externally, but in his inner being, the Lord is my portion from his heart. The Lord is my 
portion. It's not everyone in the world who should find hope in these verses. It's only those who have trusted in Jesus. Only those who are, have been changed by the Spirit of Almighty God can say this with Jeremiah. Now this is not, this is for any believer in Jesus Christ. Even if you have the, the faith, the size of a mustard seed, the smallest amount of faith, you too from your heart are saying this. You may have some doubts, you may have some trials and difficulties, but the still from your heart you say, and they might not be as loud as others. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. He is my portion. What does that mean? Portion. Well, this word here has the idea of, comes from the land, the inheritance. And the greatest thing that we gain by God's mercy, it's not just... Oh, it's great, we're not going to hell, we're going to heaven. That is true, that is wonderful. It is. But sometimes we can think of God as a means to an end. What do I mean by that? We can forget that God himself is the great reward. He is the one we enjoy in heaven, in its fullness, in his fullness. It's not just about avoiding hell. Yes, we want people to not go to hell, but we want people to know God. It's not even that God maybe rescues you from certain miseries in this life, and that can be true. That can be a wonderful fruit of saving faith. God is working your heart, and you're looking, no matter what is going on in your life, to the bliss and the joy that is found in Christ. That's a wonderful thing. But we don't go to God just to be happy. We go to God for him. And yes, his people who enjoy him forever will find happiness in his presence and will be therefore devoted to him. If you love something, you're going to be given to it. You're going to be drawn toward it, attracted toward it. And you'll say, this is what I want to do whatever your love, whatever you find attracted toward. And for the Christian, the believer in Jesus Christ, God is the reward. This is what was said to Abraham. His name was later changed to Abraham. But in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding Great reward. Do you see what he's saying? Not only is he going to protect them, but he is the reward itself. And I think, dear friends, this is often what we're missing in modern-day Christianity. So often, in Northern Ireland, going around, giving out tracts, and you bump into young people, and as I am a Christian, and almost like, get away from me. You know, when I see new Christians, I get excited. I want to talk to them. How did you come to know the Lord? Um, tell me what you're reading in your Bible. Things like that. I'm meeting a family member. I may never have met you before. But we share Jesus Christ together. It's not just about, oh yeah, I prayed that prayer years ago. 
It's not just about, yeah, I'm okay. I'm not going to go to that nasty place, hell. It's far, far more than that. It's about that God is our portion, that we love him. And because we love him, if you, ha if you find somebody who's got the same hobby as you, what are you going to talk about? Got a big, you know, say you're into cars or whatever, you're going to talk about that for a long time, aren't you? The Lord is our portion here in this room, is he not? Will we not talk about him and talk about our love for him when we have opportunities? And we're not only going to do it here, but we're going to do it in the world to come. We're going to worship him for all eternity. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That's a wonderful thing. The Lord is our portion here in this world, but also in the world to come. He is our future. He is our inheritance. He is our reward. He is what we boast about. He is who we're loyal to because we love him. We love him. This devotion that a Christian has itself will not save you. The fruit of our lives, the evidence that God has changed you, that does not save you. You know why? Because our greatest deeds are but filthy rags. Christ saves us. But if he has saved you, there will be evidence. If you go to a tree and you examine it, what happens if you find no fruit growing on that tree? No fruit. You say, well, it's still a healthy tree. You wait another year, still no fruit. What would happen to that wood? What, what is he useful for? To be chopped down and thrown into the fire. If you have a television in your front room and it hasn't worked for years, what do you do with it? I'm going to keep it around. It's very useful. No, you throw it out. Friends, why have we been made? The Shorter Catechism. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. And because we enjoy him, we're devoted to him. He's our portion. And we will hope in him. And it's those people to whom God's mercy is. If he is your portion, you delight in him. He is your great reward. Now... One thing we need to be careful with sometimes is in Christianity, sometimes you can present a Christianity where, yes, you do all these things, but you don't do all these things. This, yes, there's a law. We don't want to throw away the law, of course. We need to follow the law of God. But a Christianity is not doing all these things that you don't like to do. It's about changing the heart by the Holy Spirit so that the things that you once found may be boring before your conversion. You had no interest in these things. God has changed your heart that you now love the things of Almighty God, devoted to him. And because you love him, you're going to love his mercy, hope in his mercy, rejoice in his mercy. Our final point this Sabbath morning is directed, directed, so deserved, we considered what is deserved, we deserve, we do not deserve the least of God's mercies, we have been delivered from wrath, we are devoted to him, who is our portion, our future, our inheritance, and finally number four, directed, directed, God is good, it says, 
The Lord is good, verse 25, unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It's very important that we point out who it's directed to. This goodness, this special, well-pleasing love is only for a specific people. The Lord is still good to his people, even though we may see wrath around us, even though we might, might see very, very great difficulties. In Lamentations 2.15, it says this. This is the situation that they were facing when, Je- when Jeremiah writes this. All that pass by, Lamentations 2.15, all that pass by clap their hands at thee. They hiss and they wag their heads at the daughter of Jerusalem, saying, is this the city that man call the perfection of beauty, the joy of the whole earth? And it said, is, is, is this it? They're mocking it. Is this the city that they're saying is the perfection of beauty, the joy of the whole earth? All, their en- all thine enemies, verse 16, have opened their mouth against thee. There is mocking. They're so happy. The enemies of God are celebrating that Jerusalem is a heap. It is ruined. However, let us be reminded, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him. And Jeremiah, he says in one verse in the same book, the Lord hath afflicted me. My my tears run down my face. And yet, and yet, and yet, the Lord is good unto those that seek him. Unto those that wait on him. If that is you, dear friend, he is still good to you. He is still good to you. You may see devastation around you. We have to be reminded as well, Romans 9 verse 6 tells us that not all Israel were of Israel. Not all Israel were of Israel. Not all believed. Not all were true to the profession of faith. Some live lives openly in opposition to what they said they believed. Not all who said with their lips were truly converted in their hearts. Isaiah 29 verse 13. Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 13 gives you an idea of this. Verse 13 of Isaiah 29. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. See what Isaiah is writing here. This is the Lord saying this. For as much as the people draw near to me with their mouth. They're saying the right things. They're saying the right things. And with their lips, they do honor me. There's no open blasphemy taking place here. But have removed their heart. And that's the heartbreaking thing. They've removed their heart far from me. And their fear toward me. What kind of fear do they have? Do they have the fear taught in the word of God? No. Precept of men. Or do we not live in such a generation? Friends, 
following the Lord, it will cost you. It will cost you. And we will either fear God or we will fear men. But in the midst of all this, the loving kindness of God is without shadow of turning. He's still (coughs) loving. He's directed it towards you, but his love is not directed toward those whose heart has departed. You may say the right things. You may openly state all of the, the Westminster Confession of Faith. But your heart may still be far from the Lord. There's a warning in the scriptures for the churchgoer whose heart is far from the Lord. But there's comfort and there's mercy and there's encouragement for those who wait for him. Those who expect God to do what he says. Confidence in him. This is a mercy which transforms his people, rescues you from the wrath of God and the curse of God. Your expectation is no longer in idols. Your expectation, your hope, your joy is no longer in idols. There's only one group of people that seek after the Lord. In Psalm 14 it says, none seeketh after God. There is none good, no, not one. That's speaking about us all without the grace of God. All of us, without the mercy of God, would be joining these very, very sad marches that are taking place in our cities these days, celebrating a pride and of sin. We would be there too, but for the mercy and the grace of God. That is the goodness that we've been given. You you might say this morning, how has God been good to me? He has opened your eyes to see and behold him. He has given you ears to hear the truth and to love it. That's how he's been good to you. And he's also, yes, there's other ways he's been good to you. But he has rescued your soul if you've trusted in his son. Because God's goodness is directed toward you. Will he ever cast you out and that day when you when you breathe your last breath and you come into the presence of almighty god will he ever set you aside if his goodness is toward you would he ever do that no if you've trusted in him we may have moments of doubt we may struggle at times we may think do i truly believe and you may wrestle with these verses that cause you to doubt your salvation and you wonder oh i hope that's not me and you're, you're, you're struggling with it. Friends, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, no matter how weak your faith may be at times, his goodness is toward you, not just today, but forever. The devil wants the true believer to doubt the mercy of God. The devil also wants the hypocrite to think that he has the mercy of God. We need to be discerning. Do you love God? And if you love God, he's done a wonderful work in your heart. Amen. Let us pray before Almighty God. Almighty and eternal God, King of kings and Lord of lords, Father, we rejoice that thy mercy is never destroyed. 
It is new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. And Lord, we rejoice in thy goodness. Even though, O Lord, we may live in a world that is surrounded with tokens of thy wrath. But Lord, we rejoice in the tokens of thy mercy. Reminders of thy love that you have toward us. In how you have opened our eyes to behold wonderful things in thy precious, holy, and infallible word. O Lord, those who truly know thee in this room, strengthen, encourage, build up, O God. Draw them nigh unto thee. Lord, for those who may not know you, rescue their souls. O Lord, have mercy upon them. Pity them, O Lord, that they may flee from the wrath to come and that they, looking toward thee with the eye of faith, would glorify thy Son. And Lord, we pray that in all these things that thou, thou wouldst pour out thy blessing upon Inverness, upon this congregation, and Lord, that the glory of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. O oh Lord, pardon our many sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let us praise our God once more as we turn to Psalm 136. Psalm 136. It's the first version of Psalm 136, the first version. And we're going to sing verses 1 to 8. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for mercy hath he ever. Thanks to the God of gods give ye, for his grace faileth never. That's a special thing. That is a special, special thing we are singing about here. Thanks give to the Lord of lords unto, for mercy hath he ever, who only wonders great can do, for his grace. When does it fail? Tomorrow, a hundred years, a thousand years, it never, ever fails. Let us praise our God, verses 1 to 8. <clears throat> Yeah. 
receive the blessing. The Lord bless thee, the Lord keep thee, the Lord make his face shine upon thee, and give thee peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.